Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Cedar Valley Church. My name is Grant. I'm the pastor of Worship and Student Ministries here. And I'm Douglas, pastor of Family Ministries. And we're super excited to get the service started for you this morning. And if this is your first time here, special welcome to you. It's just great to have you join us. And we would love to get to know you just a little bit better. So drop us a note at hello at cedarvalley.ca um, by dropping a comment uh, right here about. Yeah, you probably get a personal phone call from Pastor Doug here, maybe a yeah. Starbucks visit or oh, Papa John's visit, I think. Yeah, that's been and you know, we've been doing a few of those lately yeah. and it's awesome. So keep calling, we're gonna keep meeting you down, down at the junction. <laughs> Absolutely, and one of the best ways for everyone to stay informed about the stuff going on, uh, just different events coming up, some of our different schedules, stuff like that for the summer, uh, and, and really even just some good devotionals, prayer updates, is follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, or head over to our website, cedarvalley.ca, and sign up for our weekly email newsletter. Yeah. And if you've been following us and participating with us online, then it'd be great to hear from you and spread the news also to your friends. Tell your family, your friends, um, share, hit the share button, invite your friends to come and join us at church. Yeah, it's just that easy. And we have a few things coming up uh, that we want you to know about. Like we're just getting into June here, summer mode. So yeah. a few of those things, June 20th is Father's Day. What is going on for Father's Day? Oh, uh, this is gonna be fantastic. We're starting with a great service, a special service that's focused on mentorship. And on that week, we're actually gonna be hearing from some of the men from the church and how they have been mentored in their lives. It's gonna be great. Yeah, similar to the Mother's Day thing, really impactful service. Yeah. And after that, we're inviting everybody out for a barbecue here at the church in the parking lot, farmer sausage barbecue buns. Yeah, yeah, and then following that, you're gonna have opportunity to grab a golf club and go up on top of the hill. And we're gonna have a bit of a driving contest. Now, if you're out on the links all the time, that's great, but if you're not, never picked up a club before, it's gonna be great fun, super prizes. It's yeah. gonna be unique. And yeah. safe too. We're not gonna be smashing Albert Gimbal right. golf balls. That's well, right, yeah, we're we not. We got it planned. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we're good. Good yeah. reminder. All right, and well, what else this summer we've got going on? Uh, summer drop-in nights we wanna be doing this summer because it's still, you know, we're trying to figure out how how do we do stuff with kids or youth yeah. or families and how do we connect well? So we're doing these summer drop-in nights. What do those look like? You know, this is for the whole family. Mm -hmm. um, whether you've got little kids, teenagers, maybe your kids are gone or maybe there's just you in your family. We have something for all of you. For the kids, we're gonna have street hockey behind the church, mm -hmm. basketball, field games. If it's hot, we're going to be doing a slip and slide down Griner Hill. There's oh, going to be so much fun, good. maybe some indoor stuff if it's raining, um, but it's going to be great. And you can invite a neighbor, bring them out um, every Wednesday throughout the summer. It's going to be cool. Yeah, for everyone, yeah. seniors, grandparents, kids, everything. All the way everything. through. Yeah. And that's going to be on Wednesday evening, starting in July from 7 o'clock to 8.30. Just, yeah, general evening time. Come out here to the church. Right. Yeah. yeah. And um, also, just so you know, throughout this summer, um, we're going to be mixing up our on live services with in-person services now that that's, uh, we're permitted to do that. So look forward to hearing our schedule when you can join us for in-person church and when you can continue um, to gather online. Yeah, and Pastor Rob's gonna talk a little bit more about what that looks like, and this is just a bit of a plug to make sure you're following our different communication platforms to find out when 
what the dates are going to be, what the schedule is going to be right. like, and that we can connect in really awesome ways this summer. Yeah, and one of the things also along with that is that we're encouraging um, deck parties, right? Yes. Sunday morning yeah. watch parties. Now that you can gather a few friends and family on your deck, invite them over, watch church together and interact mm. um, with the heart of the message that yeah. we're hearing every week. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the best ways to do this. And so, hey, we're going to get the service started here shortly uh, with a time of worship singing. There's going to be lyrics on the screen for you. Our worship teams have recorded some songs to lead you in worship at home, wherever you're at. Yeah. And then there's going to be a lesson by myself, and we're following along with, with the themes of, of, of John every week. And you're also going to get some um, material sent home. Uh, you'll receive them at the end of the week. And so activities specifically to do with the theme of the message, with the children's story, the kids' activities, and that you can do at home um, throughout the rest of the morning. And after that, Pastor Rob is bringing us through John chapter 19 in our Gospel of John series. Uh, the one and only, we're nearly at the end now. Uh, yeah. But you know, Gospel of John is such a good book that if you're just joining in, read from the first, catch up, it won't take yeah. you too long. And uh, that's gonna be really fun. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's getting pretty intense. Um, yeah, now that the, the story one. of Jesus, it is just building and building. Some of you know the rest of the story, uh, but you know, it's amazing. Every time we hear it, we internalize it, it's, it's so powerful isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and one of the really cool things that we have opportunity to do with you is talk about the message afterwards. Yeah. So at the end of the message, uh, Pastor Grant and Pastor Rob are going to get together and go a little bit deeper with some questions or some thoughts um, that you can continue at home mm -hmm. as you, you hang out on your deck or in your living room. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. It's going to be a really good service. Before we get into all of that though, you know, I was just kind of thinking summer's getting going, but we're still mm -hmm. doing a lot of this online stuff. And man, there is a lot of opinions online, hey? So I thought I would- <laughs> No end to them. No end yeah. to opinions. I think it get pretty brutal and maybe, maybe this will be a bit of a brutal one, but you can maybe help educate me because as summer's coming up, I need to know as a man who's learning how to care for his lawn a bit better, how do you mow your lawn? Do you do a grid, right, some nice, or do you do straight stripes and lines, or do you just go in a circle, or do you just let it grow? Like, what, what's your style? Uh, you know, what I do, because I have an acre of lawn to do every week, and, oh, yeah. and I've, got, I've got to do it uh, pretty quick here as well, um, but I do whatever is most efficient. <laughs> and my favorite way to have my lawn done is when James, our son-in-law, who lives on our property in a separate house, is on the lawnmower doing it for me. Oh, I could see him <laughs> doing something, something sweet. Yeah, well, yeah. hey, head over to the comment section of Facebook or YouTube. Let us know how do you mow your lawn, yeah. if you got one, or how, how do you like to see it mowed? And what's the reason, right? Maybe there's something I need to right. learn about grass care, or maybe it's just yeah. really being nitpicky on style. But other than that, thanks for joining us this morning, Cedar Valley. We're gonna have a great time. All right, great.
Hey Cedar Valley kids, it is great to be back with you again today. Has it ever happened that maybe you're outside at the playground at school or maybe at the park and you're hanging out with your friends? Well, if you take a good, good close look here, um, this is you and your friends. You're just hanging out and you're having a good time. But then somebody in the group, they have an idea. And you know what? Some ideas are good, some ideas aren't so good. We'll call them bad. And one person has a bit of an idea, or maybe this person over here, and maybe it's about going over here to this other part of the playground and maybe saying some words that aren't very nice or kind to somebody else because they look different. Or maybe it's going over to that building and maybe throwing some things at it and maybe damaging it or anything else that isn't good. Well, that's a bad idea. But sometimes when somebody has an idea and they're hanging out with their friends, if he starts to go do it or she does, then others go along with them. And let's say you're right about here. This is you. And you think, hmm, that's not a very good idea. But once somebody goes, everybody kind of goes along with them and you can't stop. And you're, you're just there and you get taken along all the way with them, all the way down to the spot where, well, that's not a very good idea at all. And you just kind of get caught up in doing what they did. We call that peer pressure and not the good kind because there's actually two kinds of peer pressure. Well, you know what? In the Bible, in John chapter 19, we've been reading through the book of John, a chapter every week, and now we're at the point where Jesus has been arrested. And he gets brought before the governor. His name is Pilate. Well, they accuse Jesus with doing all kinds of things. And you know what? Some of these people, they had a bad idea about who Jesus was, and they really didn't like him. And they started to tell others, wow, Jesus is no good. He, he's really bad. He says bad things. And you know what? He should be punished and he should die. Pilate, the governor says, I don't find anything wrong with him. A lot of the people didn't find anything wrong with him. But it says in the book of Matthew that lots, that some people, they persuaded a great big crowd to yell bad things about Jesus and they convinced Pilate, the governor, to sentence Jesus to death, even though Pilate didn't really want to. But there were so many people, and they convinced him. It was peer pressure that changed his mind and everybody's hearts, and that led Jesus straight to the cross to be punished. But it doesn't have to be that way. Okay, so now it doesn't have to be that way, remember, that God says if we believe in Jesus and if we have the love of Jesus living in us, that means that we believe in the word of God and we use it to help us decide what is right and what is wrong, what's good and what is bad. That way, if other people decide, well, they're gonna do something that's bad, we don't have to go along because in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, check this out. It says that God helps us to stand firm. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? 
Yeah, so even if other people are going to do something bad, we don't have to get along with that peer pressure and get pushed along and do what they do. He helps us stand firm for what is right. So here's, here's all the people here, and here's you standing firm on God's word and doing what is right because we believe in Jesus. And if somebody has a bad idea and they start to do it, they will, some of them, will maybe keep doing it, but you're standing so firm that even though hit it, they hit against you, you won't go do the bad thing. You'll stand firm on what is right. But check this out, and we saw this a little bit before. Because you stand firm, now this is the good kind of peer pressure. You're saying to others, you know what, that's a bad thing to do. I'm not going to do that. That's not right. That's not kind. So, where somebody else says, well, let's go do that, and they start to do it, maybe, because we're standing firm, they'll stand firm. And so will they. And they will there. And maybe somebody will go through and still decide to do it anyways. But look at what can happen. Because you stood firm, somebody else did. And even though somebody said, let's go do something bad, they stop and they do what is right. Now, Pilate didn't do that, or a lot of the other people in the crowd. But you can, because if you have Jesus with you, God says, I will help you stand firm to do what is right, even if others are doing wrong. And then others will stand right with you and do the right thing. That is the power of God. That is so cool. Thank you for listening so well. And remember, stand firm because God will help you stand firm and do what is right. See you next week. How are we doing? We good? We're good? Nice! All right. Thanks, Pastor Doug. Uh, as we'll see shortly, negative peer pressure factors into today's teaching, which we are calling Who Decides for You in our series on the Gospel of John called One and Only. Let's get to it. There was a man who became a politician. No, no. Not a love story. He managed the collection of taxes, building projects, the maintenance of law and order as a Roman prefect, so someone who is given the ability to enforce the rules by the governing powers of the day. He was granted the power of supreme judge, which meant that he had the singular authority to decide on death penalty. This man was brutal. He was harsh. He kept the law by any means necessary. When he couldn't negotiate, he just uh, did what he had to do through brute force. If we were at the movies, remember those days? This would be like that pre-show entertainment piece. Uh, 
when a blurred image would appear on the screen with a series of statements or questions to quiz us on the identity of uh, an actor or a movie or a director. So, politician, first very blurry image, supreme judge, second less blurry image, and then brute force, third image, unblurred, and then revealed. This man, of course, I'm talking about is Pontius Pilate, and in spite of what you see pictured here, his hands are hardly clean. Please turn in your Bibles with me, if you would, to John chapter 19, to the crucifixion, death, and burial of Jesus Christ as told by John. As you do, let me just say a couple of things. First, uh, we're reopening our campus on Sundays for a watch party for up to 50 people and for multiple services of 50 people or less the last Sundays of each month through the summer. So those are Sundays June 27th, Sunday July 25th, and August 29th. Here's why. So we, we want to be sensitive to those in our community who are offline and those who might just have a need to drop in. So the watch party will happen on Sundays at 10 a.m. at the church. Please sign up on our website to participate in those. Second, we want to be kind. Everyone I talk to is tired. And we, we aren't interested in burning out our staff or our great volunteers because hosting three surface services on Sunday morning, two in person and one online, whew, it takes a ton of people and work, especially if we want to do them well, and we want to do them well. We need people able and willing to help orient and seat people. We need people able and willing to do audiovisual, both in person and online, navigating the sights and sounds of the live service and interacting with people online. We need people able and willing to open the services. We need people able and willing to lead us in worship music. We need people able and willing to teach our kids. We need people able and willing to sanitize chairs and doors and handrails. And by the way, we need these people from 8 a.m. to noon, like minimally. Thirdly, we, we want to be ready. This summer will give us a chance to think about the Sunday morning ministry team we want to be a part of. Because we don't want to just be consumers, do we? We want to be contributors. And will give us a chance to learn about uh, a particular team we might want to help out in. It will also give Pastor Grant the opportunity and the time to work with his summer interns and other volunteers to try to get us ready for September for full in-person worship gatherings that we can stream online as they are happening because people online are as important as people in person. Fourth thing, we want to be supportive. We want to continue to follow our public health officials' guidelines to the best of our ability. So we will hold to a maximum of 50 people on those Sundays, June 27th, July 25th, and August 9th, until we get the full green light for all of us to meet back together, hopefully in September. 
Okay, and then the second thing I wanted to say was this, before we got to the teaching. As we move into that part of John's gospel, where he describes the death, burial, and crucifixion, death, and burial of Jesus, I, I'd, like, I'd like to invite you to pause with me for a moment to lament the losses of 215 lives as they were discovered last week at the former Indian residential school in Kamloops. To acknowledge that this has happened, to acknowledge the terrible grief and trauma endured by their families, and to acknowledge the part of the church in this brutal chapter of Canadian history. And then, because that's big, right? For our part personally, to sit and listen to the stories of our indigenous people and residential school survivors, and then treat everyone we meet with the dignity they deserve because they are image bearers of the God who made them and loves them. Let's take a moment. John 19 tells us the story of Jesus' crucifixion, death and burial, from the point of view of the Apostle John. This is a love story. It's the story of the God who, as I just said, made us and loves us, who sent his son to heal us, to take on him at that cross the fear and guilt and punishment and shame for all those things that we think and say and do that are misaligned with what is good and right and true and destructive to ourselves and to others. Indeed, John 19 tells us the story of Jesus' crucifixion, death, and burial, but the chapter actually doesn't start that way. It begins in verse 1, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged, which also didn't begin that way. This is part of a much longer interaction Pilate had with Jesus, which started in John chapter 18. As Pastor Doug reminded us of last Sunday, Judas led the religious leaders of Jesus' day and a number of soldiers to arrest Jesus. He was then taken to a deposed high priest named Annas, questioning him there. And then he was taken to Annas' son-in-law, Caiaphas, who was the ruling high priest of the day for the same sort of routine. And then on to Pilate. And though I had you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 19, because that's where we're going to end, let's check out uh, verse 31 in John 18 to begin with. Pilate said, verse 18, or pardon me, <laughs> chapter 18, verse 31, Pilate said, take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. So from the beginning, Pilate was trying to put the responsibility of dealing with Jesus onto someone else. In this case, the ones who brought Jesus to him, actually. They fired back, and I'm paraphrasing a section of scripture here, but we can't kill him because that was against the law. But they knew that Pilate could because he'd been given that power to do so. Pilate then asked Jesus if he was the king of Jews, to which Jesus responded, is that your idea? Pilate replied with contempt, what, am I a Jew? 
as if being a Jew was beneath him, too proud to involve himself in what he regarded as these little Jewish squabbles and superstitions. Jesus went on to say, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying I'm a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. To which Pilate says, what is, what's truth? And with that, he went out to the Jews again. And with that, he didn't even stay for an answer. What is truth? Ironically, it was staring Pilate right in the face if Pilate chose to believe in Jesus, the one who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. Truth stares us in the face when we read the Bible that tells us about Jesus. Truth stares us in the face when the facts can't be disputed. Truth stares us in the face when the Spirit of God guides us into it. Here's the truth. Pilate found no reason to charge Jesus, as Pastor Doug said earlier. In fact, Pilate tried to secure Jesus' release by swapping him out for another prisoner, which was a Jewish, a Jewish custom of the day. Here again, Pilate was looking to opt out of his responsibility. And more, he wasn't even dealing directly with Jesus himself, man to man or man to God, if you like. He was sidestepping Jesus, like if that's even possible. Pilate made the angry Jewish mob just outside his door decide who he would release. The one who he, Pilate, found innocent, Jesus, or the high-profile killer and insurrectionist, Barabbas. The crowd chose Barabbas. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged back to where we started. Why? Well, some have speculated that Pilate had Jesus flogged just to satisfy the hostile crowd, a little bit of law and order on display. Others have suggested that this was one more way Pilate was looking to avoid the verdict of the cross by giving them the verdict of the scourging. So verses 4 and 5 now, chapter 19, once more Pilate came out and said to the Jews, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here's the man, as if to say, Isn't this enough? He tried, Pilate did, to swing the balance by this appeal to emotion and to pity. But as William Barclay observes, no man can hope that appeal to others can take the place of his own personal decision. And it was Pilate's place to make his own decision. Who will decide for you? Who will decide for you? They shouted, crucify him. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. So back to point of digression. Pilate 
has already tried this, right? That's John chapter 18, verse 31. So, by the way, this is the third time Pilate declared Jesus innocent. Then this, the Jews, verse 7, insisted. We have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the Son of God. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me, Pilate said? Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, you wouldn't have power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Did you catch that last bit? From Judas to Caiaphas to Pilate. Caiaphas was the one who handed Jesus over to Pilate. And this was part of the problem. Judas was a pawn. But greater here implies that there was a lesser sin. Jesus just put Pilate on the hook. From then on, Verse 12, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But in the end, the peer pressure did get to him. He handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. Pilate abandoned Jesus to the mob because he just didn't have the courage to make the right decision and to do the right thing, to stand firm in what he knew was true, that Jesus was innocent. So here's the deal. We have to decide for ourselves what to make of Jesus. We have to decide for ourselves what to make of the truths that confront us. And we have to decide for ourselves to follow the Spirit of God or not. As we said at the very beginning of this teaching series, the Gospel of John was written as an invitation to, and I'm quoting from verses 30 and 31 in John chapter 20, to believe in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you would have life in his name. So where are you at in that decision? No one can make it for you. Imagine that you are standing before Jesus, like Pilate. What questions would you ask him? What questions do you think would help you believe? Jesus never raises his voice. He'll answer your questions with depth. He asks questions that will reveal your heart. He always speaks the truth. What will you decide? I invite you to take that step of faith today, if you haven't already, to believe in Jesus, to believe that he is God, to believe that his crucifixion, death, and burial are meant for your healing, to believe in his resurrection from the dead so that you too would rise again to life after this life. What will you decide to do when you are confronted with uncomfortable, undeniable facts? Facts like 215 bodies found secretly buried at the former residential school in Kamloops. Will you bury your head? Will you deny it or defend it or explain it away? Will you feel overwhelmed and powerless and stuck in those feelings? Or will you acknowledge your feelings and live into your values, those things that are good and true and right? Will you continue to educate yourself on the tragedy of Indian residential schools, 
and let your education fuel your empathy, fuel your prayers. Will you face the raw and brutal truth that the church and government are complicit in this unacceptable and historic racism? And will you do your part in this moment to challenge all forms of racism, even your own? And before you say, I'm not a racist, I'm not saying that you are. Let me gently ask, what do we tell ourselves about people whose stories we don't know because we haven't sat down and listened to them? When we don't listen to people to know them, we treat them as stereotypes, and stereotypes, it seems to me, are the baby cousins of racism. Lastly, maybe the facts might sound more like opinions to you. A family member or friend or work supervisor tells you something about you that is it's pretty hard for you to hear, but you know there's some truth in it. What will you decide? Who's deciding for you? It takes courage to stare these things right in the face. Is it true? How would you know? What does the Bible say? Do others confirm the observation as true? What does the Spirit of God within you say? Then you must decide what to do. Okay, so here's a soft example uh, of that last point from my life. Some time ago, my daughter and I were having lunch together. I began to tell her about a friend of mine. I began, I really love this about so-and-so. That's not actually that person's name, but they do this. She stopped me. <laughs> What's with the butt, Dad? What do you mean? I asked her. Uh, well, sometimes when you describe your friends, you start out positively and then it it, it can, you know, it sometimes goes to, like, but. Why not just stop saying but? I don't do that, denial. Okay, I do that, but I, I'm, just, I'm just being realistic, defending. Well, I guess it's not a big deal, uh, explaining away. She left it with me, and I thought about it. Was it true? For sure it was true. Is it permissible? Sure. Uh, but is it beneficial? In other words, does it help me to dwell on my realistic appraisal of my friends? Not really. Concentrating on what's good about them is better. Kaylee challenged me to drop the butts, and I had a sense that the Spirit of God within me supported her, so that's what I decided to do. No more butts. Pilate let the crowd decide for him. And even though he washed his hands of their decision, as we pictured it earlier, and as the Gospel of Matthew says, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 24, he had blood on his hands that he didn't need to have. So, in summary, back to this slide right here. We must decide for ourselves what to make of Jesus. We must decide for ourselves what to make of the truths that confront us. And we must decide for ourselves to follow the Spirit of God or not. So let's pray. And before we do, just reminding you that right after I close in prayer here, Grant and I will tackle some questions for reflection and discussion. So stay tuned for that. Father, it is good to have the counsel of wise people in our lives to make the decisions that we do. But in them, we must make them. We cannot de fault, delay, delegate decision-making 
into other people's hands. It's for us to decide what to make of you. It's for us to decide to respond to the truths that you reveal to us. It's for us to decide how to interact with your spirit in us once we've said yes to your son's forgiveness. So I pray even for me and for uh, those online and uh, that, that we respond to whatever it is uh, that you are. Maybe simply, I haven't, I haven't really dealt with that. I've been delaying deciding on that. I, help us make that decision. May we have the courage to do so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Peace. Hey, thank you everyone for joining us so yeah. far this morning. And it's not over yet because no. we, this is here to stay. We dialogue about this, we bring up uh, the speaker, the message. We want to just work it a little bit more, take the lesson, apply it to our lives, have you apply it to your lives. And we, we hear from you that mm. this is a piece you really uh, get discipled by, that it challenges you and encourages you. So that's, yeah, that's pretty cool, eh? It's the recap, right? So it's the recap go. and more. Yeah. All right, yeah. so we have two questions as usual. The first of which is here. So are there any responsibilities you, me, that tend to opt out of or decisions you tend to delay or delegate? And what do you think that might be about? Yeah. Oh, well, that's a personal growth chunk of things. I know, I know the one that it came to my mind right away as we were talking about this whole thing, Doug's lesson too, mm. is uh, just, just like Doug's lesson is funny, you, you think of it as like your kids and it's, you know, throwing the eggs at a house or something like that. But actually it comes up often when like I have my guided beliefs, I have my convictions of what's right, what's wrong. And we're in this yeah. world that has a hundred opinions under the sun about stuff, different ideas. And when I hear something on sensitive, touchy issues, whatever it could be, right? If it's the way the government is dealing with our pandemic, or if it's the way society is dealing with uh, transgender issues and everything under the sun, and I have my convictions, and I would so much rather not speak into it because of the touchiness of the subject, and I'll find someone else who says, hey, here's an article, and read that. <laughs> and, uh, or, yeah, you talk to, talk to whoever, talk to Rob, who's got thick skin, right? And I don't want to get there and let it just <laughs> totally get, that. get out of my way. That's, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think maybe we can all relate in, in saying it this way. Uh, for me, um, I, I don't like conflict. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, some people might think I love it. I, I don't like conflict. I think I know that it has to happen sometimes because mm -hmm. that's where truth is, right? To be yeah. able to say something that's hard for somebody isn't negative or critical, unless you're saying it that way, unless that's the way it's intended. But it can be pretty life-giving, right, to mm -hmm. say, Hey, I've noticed this. Like, what do you think? Could be pretty life-giving. Yeah. But it's really hard. So I will often delay it, hoping it'll go away. That's a confrontational question. I don't want to really hold them accountable right now. Maybe somebody else will say something. Like, yeah. Those kinds of yeah. things. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, like when a good friend is just making some stupid decisions. Yeah. and hurting themselves. And hurting themselves and... and the awkwardness of like, yeah, maybe they'll stop that, right? And yeah, yeah, and, on but, their own. But, but then on the other side, when you don't step into that, yeah, you see yourself, oh golly, I wish I'd stepped into that a little earlier, yeah, and said something, because yeah. that's that's who decides for you, right? We make that decision. Totally. So next question. So there's some things to think about there. Uh, how do you handle the tough truths that confront you? 
So let's flip side that a little bit. Do you deny, defend, or explain away? Or do you like dig into it for the truth of what yeah. might be sitting there? Well, and even I, I like just at the end, I'll, I'll pull there and then we sure. get back to the question. You said the truth. And I think one of the big things that I appreciate about this message, uh, this passage in John is Jesus saying the truth. And so often, especially these days, what is the, the truth, idea yeah. of the truth, like what is it? And everyone has a bit of truth and people often will paint Jesus like, oh, okay, well, Christianity is so close-minded, but Jesus actually, you know, he's so open and actually it could be so many different ways, but out of his mouth, he says like, people who believe in the truth, capitalized, yeah. follow me and I yeah. represent the truth. And he's very yeah. much like, there's one thing here, Pilate, like, yeah. are you on or not? Yeah. And what's the deal? It's, it's a very actually strict question. So that's where we're at. But then how do you handle, how do you handle that hitting you, right? That's, that's your question when it comes to you, when people are trying to bring, call something out. Is that how I'd even say this? If they're trying to call something out. I that think that's the way of saying it. Yeah, that's for, yeah. So I, I think, okay, am I the kind of person that, Firstly, people, uh, I'm, I'm accessible. That they could come to me and say those kinds of things without being worried that I'm gonna totally freak out on them, right? Yeah. So that's, the, what's my posture towards people who come to me with hard things that they wanna say? And the other is, what do I, what do, I do with it, right? Right. Do I, do I dig into it do I, or do I just immediately yeah. reject it? Well, that's, that's dumb. I mean, that, that guy's, right? What's, yeah. what's that mean? Oh, I dig in, yeah. That's, do you? I, or I guess, well, so I know this is my response. And Leslie, Leslie's called me out on that a lot, my wife, and it's, it's good <laughs> when somebody brings something hard to me. My first response, and it, be it bad, I need to kind of sometimes work on this too. Like I'll, I'll defend my position first. Yeah. And sometimes that's actually brought me through a false, you know, accusation of, with misunderstandings or whatnot. But sure. it hurts so much more when I realize that I, I'm in the wrong and I need to grow in this and I need the truth to actually completely transform an area of my life. And it was just my overconfidence that compensated. Then it hurts because I dug in so much harder. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. And I really appreciate your vulnerability on that. It, it's, yeah. yeah. I, the time between here and here <laughs> and that space, right? Yeah. Because I, I think I default often to defending myself. Mm. I think we mostly do. But then if you could stop the gap between stimulus and response, Viktor Frankl used to talk about that, uh, is what are you gonna say now? Mm -hmm. If you can slow that down, like that's maybe a way that you can begin to handle those times. Yeah, well, and, and <laughs> right? that's even a lesson like we've been learning this whole week through a lot of stuff and as we've been working on how do we respond well as the church to the atrocities in our yeah. Canadian history. Yeah. And Jesus' exact example was that is not defending, not yeah. excuses and not facts. It was actually quick to just listen and hurt. Yeah. And I think that yeah. in this situation, we can hear the same as to really listen and be entirely open to the truth or the calling out or whatever it is and let that kind of work here first. Mm -hmm. And and it might not be, you know, I'm not saying everything that gets told to you is actually the right way to go because that's the peer pressure, right? There may yeah. be truth, but discern it rather than the verbalizing it first. But there again, Doug's got a great point there. There's yeah. positive peer pressure too. Yes. So, yeah. Maybe we should leave it there? We'll leave it there because yeah. there's a lot to go. A lot on. to unpack there. Yeah, keep this going at home. If, you, if you're part of the Deck Church, if not, you should be doing that. Bring a friend over, call a friend over, get outside. You Deck can church. have some people inside. That's what they've been calling it. Cause it's I love it. No, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, raining though, so. Not awesome. <laughs> but uh, hey, yeah, phone up a friend, do a Zoom call. Uh, other than that, we are so glad you joined us this morning. We'll see you next week.